0: Good morning, grateful to see you all, we uh, might not remember your names, well I'm glad that um, the Lord has no plans to cancel the coming reunion in heaven of thousands and thousands, we won't be limited there, will we, and I'm glad to be able to, uh, to preach to you this morning, getting a little tired preaching to my wife all the time. <laughs> or she preaches to me. She says to me last night at supper, what are you, you going to wear tomorrow? I said, my black pants. And then and she says, try them on tonight. Notice I'm wearing gray pants <laughs> today. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. All the work that goes into getting something uh, ready like this um, I'd like to. I'm so grateful for uh, Jane Nevelizer and all her work. I'd like to ask her a question, though, or maybe I should ask her husband. Uh, would she have taken this job if she'd known that uh, COVID-19 was coming along this uh, year? So I'm grateful for all the patience she has in trying to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Amen. Uh huh. Yes. A little out of my style, trying to have everything all just right and laid out
1: and sermon uh, text prepared and, and whatnot. Anyways, in saying all that, I'm not belittl- belittling in any way our need to follow all the re- uh, restrictions that are given to us. But in these days of our preoccupation uh, with uh, preserving our health, the Apostle Paul's preoccup- preoccupation as he writes his second letter to Timothy 2 Timothy, and I invite you to turn there this morning, his preoccupation is with the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. To you. The word deposit there means a treasure, something valuable, worth protecting, anything committed to one's charge or trust. A good deposit means a precious, a beautiful treasure that has been placed in Timothy's charge. To guard simply means uh, to watch over something so that it is not lost, it's not damaged, I had a plastic bag with me this morning. I put my uh, keys and my cell phone, my wallet, and everything just down here next to Alex. He's kind of guarding it for me. I shouldn't have said where where it was, just in case. But throughout this letter, the Apostle Paul makes it very obvious that there must be a cooperation between the Holy Spirit, verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And so that Holy Spirit, in conjunction with the human spirit, between what God does and what Timothy does, between what we do and what God does in us, both go together. But how is the gospel to be guarded? What is our part? Paul emphasizes guarding the gospel in each of these chapters of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse uh, 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So guard it by fanning the gospel into flame. Chapter 2, guard it by suffering for the gospel. Chapter 2 and verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So fan it in the flame, suffer for it. Chapter 3, guard the gospel by believing it firmly. Chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And then chapter 4, guard the gospel by proclaiming it. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. And so uh, fan it, Uh, suffer for it, believe it, proclaim it. Fan it, Timothy, because you live in a culture, a lukewarm culture like the Laodiceans. Fan it into flame. suffer for it, Timothy, for the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be uh, tested. Fan it, suffer it, believe it, Timothy, for there are ones like the Balaams and the Nicolaitans and the Jezebels of this world who will pull you into believing uh, other things. Proclaim it. Timothy, for like Sardis, there are ones who will fall asleep in your midst, and they'll have a reputation of being alive, but they are dead. Fan it. Suffer for it. Believe it. Proclaim the gospel. There will be no other name ever given amongst men under heaven by which men and women must be saved. So guard the gospel, Timothy. Today our emphasis is on 2 Timothy chapter 1, though guard the gospel by fanning it into flame. Verse six of chapter one, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we come to realize afresh what this means to us to take on our responsibility of fanning this gospel into flame. We know, Lord, that yes, indeed, we live in a culture that uh, pulls us uh, towards lukewarmness. We are neither uh, cold nor hot. And being only lukewarm, we realize there's uh, devastation waiting for us. You will spit us out um, of your mouth. So, Lord, uh, we must uh, repent and flame into flame. Uh, fan into flame this precious gospel that you have given us, that you have entrusted to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So two questions this morning. What is the gift of God to be fanned into flame? And secondly, how do we fan it into flame? First, I need to give you the context of the letter uh, uh, of 2 Timothy and a bit of history and Paul's greeting Uh, to uh, Timothy in verses one and two of chapter one. So I'm reading at verse one of chapter one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. The word apostle in verse 1, Paul was the last of the apostles, a special term given to the first disciples who knew, who met the Lord Jesus Christ personally. There are no apostles today in the sense that the New Testament uses this word. The church of Christ was built on the foundation of the apostles. And so now we have teachers and preachers uh, who give themselves to building on that foundation. Paul says he became an apostle by the will of God. And so this special apostleship was be- bestowed on him um, when he met the risen Christ on the road to uh, Damas- Damascus. And he was commissioned to take the good news of the gospel to the world. And then our verse says, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. That preposition according to, has the thought of intentionality in it, for the purpose of, or with a focus on, making known the message of Christ Jesus that promises life, the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus uh, our Lord. And so, Timothy gets this special privilege from the Lord himself. And then, in verse two, Paul is writing to Timothy my beloved child. Elsewhere, Paul calls Timothy his faithful child in the Lord. And so we assume that Timothy heard and accepted the good news of the gospel when Paul, departing from Antioch, his home church in Antioch, about 48 AD, on his first missionary journey, visited Lystra in southern Turkey, Timothy's hometown. And so, about 49 AD, uh, Paul met Timothy in this town. Thus, when Paul revisited Lystra on his second missionary journey, about the year 50 to 51 AD, according to Acts 16, verse uh, one and two, Paul found there, quote, a disciple named Timothy, who was well-spoken of by the brothers at Lystra. Timothy had obviously made great profession or made great progress in his faith with the, with the result that quote Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him on that second missionary journey and so for the next approximately 14 years Timothy was Paul's constant companion during Uh, The second, the third missionary journey, his trip to Rome, his imprisonment in uh, Rome, and then probably his uh, visit on to Spain after that. So Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's desire is for Timothy uh, to experience and extend God's grace, God's kindness to the worthless, mercy to the helpless, and peace to the restless. But where is Paul now as he writes to Timothy? And where is Timothy? Uh, When when was all this happening? What was the year? Paul ended up in jail under house arrest in Rome, uh, approximately 60 to 62 AD. And all these dates I'm giving you, uh, realize they're uh, approximate. Um, 60 to 62 AD, this was Paul's first imprisonment His friends were free to visit him as he was under house arrest there. And it was during those years that he wrote the letters of Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. After being released in 62 AD, it appears that Paul continued his missionary journeys traveling west to Spain, and as early historians uh, believe, we don't know that for sure. Then he returned east visiting the island of Crete where he dropped off Titus to pastor the infant church there in uh, Crete, and then he traveled on north to Ephesus where he left Timothy behind to pastor that uh, church. And then traveling north to uh, Philippi in Macedonia, uh, there he addressed his first letter to Timothy back in Ephesus. Then Paul went to Troas where he stayed with Carpus and left his cloak there and some books behind. Now somewhere on that journey, and I think probably it was uh, just while he was in Troas, that Paul was rearrested. Perhaps that explains why he left some books and his cloak behind. He didn't have a chance to take them uh, with him. Why was he rearrested? Because of Nero's increasing harassment of Christians beginning in 63 AD. I'm going to leave out why that started in 63, but it related to uh, Nero's uh, wife, But the uh, intense persecution began July the 19th, AD 64. What happened? The city of Rome caught fire. And the populace believed that Nero was responsible for that. He wanted to rebuild a lot of the rundown sections of, uh, of Rome. But to deflect blame, Nero started arresting uh, many Christians. And at that time was when Paul was arrested, um, probably Peter as well, and now Paul is in Rome in in prison, about to be put to death, Uh, and he writes this second letter to uh, uh, to Timothy, his last will and testament, as it were, the last words that Paul will ever uh, write. He knows there's no hope of being released. He's fully aware that other Christians have met uh, their death. And now he writes towards the end of 2 Timothy. uh, He says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Verse 7 of chapter 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And so he recognizes he's not long with life in this world. Back to chapter one of 2 Timothy. Uh, You have on the screen behind you the outline of this chapter. I'll begin reading at verse uh, three, Paul's grateful remembrance of Timothy's upbringing. Verse three of chapter one. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience And then verses 6 in the latter part of verse 6 uh, and 7, uh, Timothy's responsibility to fan God's gift into flame. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Then in verse 8... Paul uh, Paul's encouragement uh, to Timothy to keep fanning that flame, verse eight. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our God, nor of His prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher. Here is Paul's example now in verse 11. For which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he, God, is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And then Paul's exhortation to Timothy to follow his um, example, verse 13. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Back to uh, verse six and seven. Uh, Paul mentions a gift. What is this gift of God that is to be fanned into flame? If I was not preaching, but um, We were having a study together, I'd ask you, what do you think this gift is? I'm just gonna give it right uh, to you. It is the spiritual gift of unashamed courage to proclaim and explain the gospel. Do you have that in your bulletin? The gift of God, it is the spiritual gift of unashamed courage to proclaim and explain the gospel. Can we say it together, the gift of God, it is the spiritual gift of unashamed courage to proclaim and explain the gospel. How do we fan it into flame, this gift of God? Well, number one, the first way that we fan it into flame is by seeing what children are becoming in Christ and acting in harmony with it. Fan God's gift into flame by seeing what children, visualizing what children are becoming and can become in Christ and then acting in harmony with it. In verse 3, Paul served with integrity even in his prayer life as he remembers Timothy uh, constantly in his prayers, around the clock as it were. In verse 4, sense the deep relationship and friendship there that uh, Paul and Timothy had that was built over those 14 years. The, these tears mentioned here. Um, I remember your tears, and so maybe that's, uh, those were the tears that were ex- uh, expressed when Paul left Timothy behind in uh, Ephesus. Uh, verse 5, uh, the background of that is Acts 16, verse 1. Uh, where Timothy tells us, or Paul, Luke it would be, who wrote Acts, tells us that Timothy's father was a Greek. And so it's assumed that Timothy's father was uh, an unbeliever. Um, But his mother, Eunice, and Lois were Jewish. And according to chapter 3 and verse 15, uh, we read there uh, that uh, from your childhood, says Paul, you have being acquainted with the sacred scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. And so probably as a good good Jewish mother and grandmother, even from childhood, they were teaching Timothy uh, the the Old Testament scriptures. So when Paul arrived there in 49 AD uh, and explained the gospel and building that gospel from the Old Testament scriptures they were ready to accept Christ as uh, a savior. And now as Paul returns uh, a year later in 50 or 51 AD, the spiritual growth, the disciplines, the character development um, continued, had continued over that um, uh, year, and Paul noted uh, that development in Timothy. And so um, I picture Timothy probably being in his late teens, maybe uh, 20, age 20 at the most, when Paul arrived back on his second uh, t- uh, missionary trip and uh, invited Timothy to, to join him. And then in verse 6, for this reason, Paul is saying here um, that it, he's not just rehearsing the uh, history uh, of Timothy, he's wanting to... In, um, not to inform him, but to, to inspire him. And then Paul adds, um, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Probably if we take a, a verse in First Timothy, the first letter, uh, this gift of laying on of hands was accompanied with the elders uh, as Paul and the elders laid hands on Timothy as they said goodbye to Timothy uh, on that uh, second missionary uh, trip. Usually today we think of the laying on of hands as something that's done by pastors and other ordained clergy when a new person is being ordained to the gospel ministry. But I think here it seems not ordaining to an office but rather the conveyance of a spiritual gift of power. Paul says, note here, Uh, For this reason, I'm uh, reminding you of this gift uh, that was given to you. Uh, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Not able to just go into that too much uh, more, but I want to think. Well, how in our home, how as a church, can we fan the flame uh, of God into the next generation Um, can we uh, see what our children are becoming visualizing what they are becoming and then acting and investing and inspiring them that they themselves could visualize what they could uh, become in the lord how important is the home here i know um I don't know, actually, if uh, empirical uh, research could uh, back me up on this, but my impression is that people who come to Christ have had parents, grandparents, and a church behind them praying for them. How important is the home as the place for preparing a child to receive uh, Christ? And what a joy it is when a a parent or parents are present when a child expresses desire to become uh, a Christian. Uh, n- recently, not too long ago, but before this virus uh, started uh, raging around, there was a, uh, one child in our church uh, at home, said to his mother, um, I would like to uh, become a Christian. And the mother said, well, let's wait for dad to come home from The office, so that he can be with us uh, as well to witness this very important uh, event. And what was it that prompted the child uh, to uh, ask his mother about becoming a Christian? Well, he dug into a uh, box of dress up clothes and he found this crown. I don't know where he got the crown from, whether it was from our Sunday school or not, but there are uh, gems. Uh, here, representing the different steps of the, uh, the gospel, uh, sin and um, uh, punishment and Christ's blood and so forth. And the mother had just put that away in, in this uh, box. And so that is what led uh, or prompted the child to say, I'd like to become uh, a Christian. So there are many pa- practical tools. I'm so glad to hear of um, ones who are homeschooling and you have many good tools, books and so forth, booklets, to read with children that have a story of another uh, of a child becoming a Christian. Um, and the, the mother who lent me that crown has um, uh, lent me some materials from CEF that puts on, from time to time, excellent workshops on specifically how to introduce a child to Jesus Christ. And then... <laughs> What do you you say when a child says to you, I'd like to become a Christian? Do you know what you would say? How significant the home is in building character as well, the qualities that children will need later in life, and how important is spiritual parenting of others. Notice that Paul says of Timothy, uh, my beloved child speaks of... um, Uh, an older adult in a a church taking a child under their wing or mentoring. I was excited to hear of one of our elders mentoring one of our young men uh, in uh, the church. And I think we need to rejoice in all the work that goes into our Sunday school what a privilege to have the opportunity to uh, help in the Sunday School if that arises, uh, trusting this September that we can get back to the normal again. And I think, if, I trust if you hear, see announcement about uh, help is needed in our Sunday School that you will jump at it. You really, you know, there are two ministries you, you don't need to be afraid of at all. That is ministering to children and ministering to uh, seniors. Uh, They won't be critical. They won't recognize if you um, make an error or mistake or whatever. Um, So (laughs) a a great field uh, to learn in. And 2 Timothy chapter 2, notice uh, uh, verse 2 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Anyone involved with power to change and the navigators and so forth will recognize this verse. Verse 2, and... Timothy, and what you, Timothy, have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. How many generations are mentioned in that verse? There's Timothy, heard from me, that's Paul. Paul, Timothy, Timothy, can 't hear you. Oh, okay, that's one of these problems. You know, I wish the Lord had given me three sets of ears, one for my glasses, one for my hearing aids, and another for my mask. It's, a, it's a terrible having everything all around one set of ears. Um, Marilyn and I have so much enjoyed um, well, well one thing we enjoyed back in June was a special Um, discipleship course that Pastor Kenny put uh, on. That was uh, really uh, delightful. And uh, he encouraged us to share verses and to memorize and so forth. Uh, The only downside of memorization is we don't have a program in the church for adults to memorize. Uh, Someone says to me, you know, I've never memorized any verses of scripture since I left Sunday school. Uh, What a pity, I think. And then in our small group, that group of young people in our Lees Avenue, um, small group that continue to humble us. And um, uh, just it's so hard to, uh, well, they change their hairstyles and everything else almost every week. And you can't keep track of them. Um, But they have shown me these online apps that you can uh, get to uh, explain uh, the gospel. So we can praise God for all uh, that um, uh, is done through our church. Concerning the gift of God through the laying on of my hands, as Paul says here, what do we do with that? Well, uh, you know, I think of the time when I I was in um, uh, seminary and the chaplain of a hospital while I was doing a practical uh, service uh, said, who has confirmed your call to the pastorate? Well, I, I had to say, we're I, uh, um, we're, we're from ba- Baptists. We don't uh, do that uh, sort of uh, thing. <laughs> and, and then I thought, after um, a few days, oh, I remember traveling to New uh, to Detroit uh, with uh, one of my students. I was teaching school at the time, and a couple of elderly ladies were going to a seminar in uh, Detroit, and coming back from that seminar. I was talking with this uh, student in the front seat and uh, trying to discern just where he was in his faith. We dropped him off, and then one of the ladies in the back seat uh, said, "You know, Bob, you should become a pastor." And that's the first time I ever really thought uh, about the possibility of um, uh, going into full-time uh, uh, ministry. And it was at Calvary Baptist here in the uh, Calvary Baptist Church here in the 1920s. When old Mr. Blair, and that annex over there is named after uh, F.C. Blair, uh, he encouraged a young man named Tom Carson to seek further education and become a pastor. And so in 1933, Tom Carson went off to the Toronto Baptist Seminary, became a pastor, spent his years in uh, Quebec, and then near retirement, moving to the Ottawa area and ministering to our French Uh, Baptist churches in uh, Gatineau. And Tom Carson was the father of D.A. Carson, uh, the uh, greatest uh, uh, living um, uh, Christian New Testament apologist that's alive today. It's never too late to be proactive um, in um, uh, encouraging children and never too late to pray. Pray night and day, as the apostle Paul does, so the first thing, if um, fanning into flames visualizes young people uh, so, and children and what they are becoming, the second lesson I get from this text is fan god 's gift into flame within you by seeing what you yourself could become in the Lord and acting in harmony with it fan god 's gift into flame within you yourself, and picturing what you could become in the Lord and then acting in harmony with it. Verses six and seven here emphasize Timothy's responsibility. Verse six, you, Timothy, fan into flame. And the present tense there uh, uh, suggests a continuing action. Keep fanning it. Timothy, make it flaming hot, red hot, white hot, searing hot, make God's gift within you boiling hot. The scripture teaches that we all have a spiritual gift, whether hands were laid on us or not. And it comes to us in some manner, whether we received it when um, we accepted Christ as Savior or whether it was a talent that the uh, Lord uh, anointed specifically, that, uh, a talent that we had developed over the years. Can't get into all those questions this morning. But it's most interesting that this is a gift of God that Paul says, fan it into flame. Could Timothy lose this gift? Maybe. Should Timothy do nothing but just passively wait for the Lord uh, to use the gift? No. Paul instructs Timothy to fan it into flame, keep it alive, make it blazing hot, Timothy. And why must Timothy do that? Because, verse 7, God did not give a spirit of fear, but a spirit of uh, power and love and self-control. The word fear there has a sense of timidity, uh, cowardice to us. To it. And, and uh, it was a re- word used of a soldier in the midst of battle who would flee from the, um, um, from the battlefield when the do- going got tough. God did not give a spirit of fear, but rather a new power to enable Timothy in ministry, a new love that Timothy would need to serve others and a new self-control so that Timothy would conduct himself with reverence and restraint. Fear is cowardice. I'm gonna slide over a lot of things because I think I need to be done uh, soon. Um, Fear, why do we fear? Well, are we embarrassed about things? Are we afraid of the criticism that that we might uh, receive? How do we conquer this fear? Well, we need to know what is important I might think, well, my reputation is important. Uh, Someone uh, will uh, criticize me. But courage is not the absence of fear, but the assessment that something else is more important. And nothing is more important than someone else receiving uh, the gospel. And then we need to know a strategy to present and explain the gospel. We fear what we don't know. And I'm surprised many times, someone who claims to be a Christian and they do not know how to present the gospel to someone uh, else. If um, one of you happened to come to me after this service and said, I would like to become a Christian, I would probably simply use the plan of uh, ABC to admit, believe, and commit. You need to admit your sin. You need to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross as a payment for your uh, sin, and then uh, to commit uh, your life to following Jesus. And they, they say, yes, I'd like to do that. And I'd say, okay, let's pray. And I'd ask them, what are you going to pray? And I'd try and discern that they had that A, the admitting, uh, the believing, and the committing their life to, uh, to Christ. A very simple uh, strategy to present, uh, the, uh, explain the gospel. And then to know your salvation theology. Those in our small group know that I've presented over the year a couple of uh, diagrams that I like to have parked in my brain so that if I'm sitting in a coffee shop somewhere and we're talking um, uh, about Christianity or religion or whatever, I can write on a napkin just a very simple uh, diagram, such as the Salvation Triangle, uh, where um, on the one side is propitiation, another uh, justification at the bottom, Uh, Redemption, big words, theological words. I'm not afraid to use them. You have to learn them. Once taking a course on serology and immunology, Uh, I was really getting behind in things. I couldn't understand it. Went to the prof, he said, learn the vocabulary. So we need to learn the theological terms and you might not talk about propitiation to someone, but you've got it parked in your mind and then you can sit there at the table and explain the gospel to someone. We need to know our theology. One day recently, um, Pastor Matt and two of his kids came visiting us and Peter looked at a sign that we had parked in our garden it says, no power on earth uh, can keep a rabbit out of a vegetable garden. And Peter looks at that and he says, that's not true. I thought, oh, there's a budding theologian coming along." There, yeah. um, fear—we could replace one fear with another fear, but what is best? The love uh, of God for others. Um, love trumps all uh, knowledge. If I have the, um, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am simply a noisy gong. And self-control, how essential that uh, is. Um, Huge amounts of love, self-control and grace are needed as we present the gospel to others. Be wise, says uh, Paul in Colossians, be wise in the way you act towards unbelievers, make the most of every opportunity, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So fan into flame the younger generation. Fan into flame yourself, your own heart. And finally, number three, fan God's gift into flame by shunning the shame, sharing in suffering, conquering through calling, and trusting the guardian of the gospel, God himself. And that's uh, the rest of that text that we read this morning, which I'm going to have to leave behind. Guess what? I think I have my sermon ready for the next, uh, uh, no, not next next Sunday. I promised my wife that I would take uh, August off. But in summary, let me just say this. Fan into flame the spiritual gift of unashamed courage to proclaim and explain the gospel by hearing and heeding the scriptural instruction to the seven churches of Revelation chapters two and chapter three. Come next week and listen, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches.